I'm grateful that you're here. My name is Jason, and I love to be able to be here where I go to church. And so thank you for the opportunity. Not that you had any say-so in it, but thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, life is hard. You want to get it right. And so what I'm hoping is the next three series can be an encouragement to you. And so we'll talk about what does it look like to not burn out, not live in a state of exhaustion, but to actually go to the other side, to have peace and joy and energy. Some of you are like, man, I haven't seen that in a little bit. So what I want us to explore today is how did we get here and where do we go from here? Here's the, the question we're going to ask repeatedly today and we're going to ask repeatedly over the next three weeks as we look at not burning out but burning bright. It's how might you, how might I live the life that God wants you, me, us to experience? I mean, think about this. There's a verse that maybe you're familiar with. John writes, uh, Jesus is saying this, but is recorded in the gospel of, of John, uh, in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says, but I work differently. I actually come that you can have life and have it to the fullest, but sometimes there's tension inside of that, right? Because Jesus sometimes gets promoted and propped up saying, he doesn't want you to have a purposeful life or a joyful life, so you do what makes you feel good, and then we wonder why we end up where we are. It's because he's the architect of life, and he wants us to listen to him so we can end up at a better place with him. I almost hesitate sharing this introduction because some of you are going to judge me. Have you ever seen the show Naked and Afraid? Anybody? Great. If you're going to judge me, judge them. It's interesting about the show, and you're like, what does this guy watch? Let me explain. <laughs> Give me a little grace. So years ago, stumbled onto the show, and it's very fascinating because it takes two people, and they have different versions, spinoff versions, but it takes two people. It drops them into a climate that they definitely don't want to be in and to survive for 21 days, and they get to bring a tool of their choice, a machete, mosquito net, fire starter, whatever they want. So they're dropped into these areas. I can imagine on the application, it's like, what is the area that you don't want? And somebody says, well, I hate freezing temperatures. Well, guess where you're going? freezing temperatures. But what I noticed over the years watching this show, whether it was extreme cold or extreme heat, they always wanted fire. It's like one of the very first things that they wanted, and some of them for different reasons, some of them for similar reasons, right? They could, maybe if they're in an area they have to boil water, they need fire. If they need to cook food, they need fire. If they need to keep uh, big prey away from them, they need fire. If they want to keep bugs or mosquitoes, if this is possible, at a minimum, they need fire. If they want to stay warm at night, they need fire. And what I discovered in watching this, there was this common denominator that they're going to uh, figure out what they need, get rid of what they don't need, assemble what they have, find a spark, get a spark, and create a fire and nurture their fire because what they realized, have you ever noticed on day two? They're like, well, how'd you sleep? Well, I'm exhausted. Why? I was up all night tending to the fire. Because they realized if I can nurture the fire, the fire will return the favor and the fire will nurture me. But if I don't tend to the fire and the fire goes out, we have a problem. And for many of us, you used to feel that fire inside of you, but for some reason, life snuffed it out. Maybe you didn't tend to it. Maybe you were overwhelmed in life. 
So what I want to talk about today is what is one thing that you can do to see that fire, that joy and peace return and to stay? Well, as you, as you think about it, I'm reminded uh, <clears throat> in writing for this series, I have the book coming out in uh, July, July 25th. It's actually called Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. So I'm actually giving you the content today. You don't have to buy the book, right? So this is a freebie. So as we go through the next three weeks, it's, it's not so much about preventing burnout, but it's what does it look like to burn bright? What does it look like to actually live life, the life John 10.10 10 talks about, Jesus talks about, that is full of joy and peace and meaning and purpose? How do you do that when you feel like you're bombarded on your left and right by life? Let me set the stage by explaining what exhaustion is and what burnout is. So think about exhaustion like this. Uh, you're constantly tired. Maybe it's hard to find a rhythm, maybe in parenting and work, or maybe school and work. You know, you could be an adult with, you know, children trying to figure it out. You could be a high school student or a college student and you're trying to figure it out, and you feel just this constant tired. However, with exhaustion, with a few changes like sleeping habits, eating habits, stress reduction, it can actually be correctable. So Exhaustion is more on that temporary and fixable continuum. Burnout is actually not a physical state. It's actually a psychological state. In fact, think about exhaustion like or burnout like this. It's more complex because you're constantly overwhelmed. You're constantly drained due to prolonged emotional, mental, physical stress. And you can never catch your breath because of life's constant demands. And in fact, when you see this, your performance lowers at work. You see this, your performance lowers at home. In fact, you might see this, your performance lowering at school. On top of that, you start to develop this attitude that's not super fun to be around. Don't look at anybody in here. And you actually begin to become more negative about you and negative about the people around you. You're burning out. Here's a fun little stat. Did you know that on average you have about 27 emotions every hour? Now, some of you that got kids ready for church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You covered that in about five minutes, right? My question to you is, what are you thinking and feeling this morning? So here's what I want to do. Something a little different. I want you to get out your mobile device and open up the camera app. You said, are we going to take selfies? No, don't sweat it. You said, I didn't do my hair. Don't worry about it. I want you to scan this QR code. We good? So if you're like, how does this work? I have a flip phone. You're just going to scan this QR code, and a question is going to pop up. I actually have six questions, and let me explain how this works. You'll answer the question on your mobile device, and the answer is going to populate on the screen in real time. It's anonymous, so don't sweat it. So you'll answer on your device. It'll populate on this screen. We'll go to the next question on your phone. The question will change, and then you can answer again, and we'll kind of go through this a bit rapidly. So here's the first one. Name one emotion you felt this morning. So let's see what we've got. Look at the biggest word. What's the biggest word up there? Tired. Don't go to sleep during this message, please. Yeah, so you see uncertainty, all right, anxiety. You saw a lot of different exhaustions. Some are excited. Here's second. Oh, it's all good. Hopeful, jealous. Here's the second question. In the last 12 months, have you experienced exhaustion or burnout? Yes or no? 
okay? Large majority, some have not, all right? Here's the third question. In the last 12 months, have you experienced joy and peace? Have you experienced joy and peace in the last 12 months? Again, this is anonymous, so feel free to be honest. All right, let's go to the next question. Do you believe God wants you to have a full and meaningful life? You don't have to give like church answers. So like this is safe. Okay, mostly yes. We've got some no's. All right, let's go to the next one. What burdens or overwhelms you right now? What burden or overwhelms you right now? Again, you don't have to write a long answer. Just give us a short answer. What burdens or overwhelms you right now? All right, look at these. Work. Work is up there a lot. Uncertainty. Kids. Kids don't do that. Come on now. Money. The unknown. Family life. Thought of growing up. Being a new parent. Teenagers expectations ah internship finding a job yeah people pool i don't know maybe you like to shoot pool i don't know just kidding workout uh, work burnout discontent people debt yeah heavy the future health chaos school bills you get a point so in this room there's a lot that burdens and overwhelms us let's go to the final question how well do you trust God? Be honest. Struggling to right now? Some? A lot? Yeah. And maybe it varies. Maybe sometimes you're like, I trust you, God, and it gets really hard, and you're like, ah, not so much. So you can see where, where we are, just kind of what the room is thinking and what the room is feeling. And what's interesting about uh, exhaustion and burnout and joy and peace is burnout burnout doesn't show up overnight right it's not like at 2 a.m it knocks on your door and shows up and says i'm here it's a drift and it's a drift that might take weeks it's a drift that might take months it's a drift that might take years but when it shows up it doesn't show up overnight it shows up over time and some of us, we're not aware of it. We're not aware of what's happening in the process. And what I hope to accomplish today is how can we be more aware and see it coming and do something about it? Because once you're there, everything changes. In fact, exhaustion and burnout can actually feel like a trauma. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean? Elaborate that on that just a little bit. Think about this. Think about someone or something that leaves you feeling upset and alone or if you were to google trauma you might find definitions that you feel overwhelmed physically overwhelmed emotionally overwhelmed mentally you're overwhelmed you feel alone and some of you have experienced that a lot of times we talk about big t traumas war death of a child but there are also small t traumas that many of us if not all of us have experienced at home at work in friendships Maybe somebody talks about us and the relationship breaks. And maybe we, the job doesn't work out and we lose our job and that's a trauma. I 
I appreciate the way uh, Barbara Moon talks about traumas, and this is what she says. She says type A and type B traumas. Think about type A traumas in the context of it's the absence of things you didn't get when you were young that you needed. That would be a type A trauma. Type B trauma are bad things that happen to you. That typically gets most of the conversation. We talk about bad things that happen to us, but there's another trauma that we needed good things when we were young and we didn't get them. And then we grow up and we still don't have them. And there's a reason we show up in a certain way. And when we think about the impact of trauma, we're gonna talk about that just a little bit. Some of us are great at burying it. Some of us are great at avoiding and not acknowledging that it exists or even saying that it's real. Some of us get paralyzed by it. Some of us use it and we make unhealthy decisions because of it. Some of us face it and face it in a healthy way and some of us face it and face it in an unhealthy way. But we all navigate it differently. But the reality is trauma is part of our lives. But what do we do about it? Here's, here's, a, here's a thought, and I know this is a little humorous and I'm not making light of the subject at all, but nobody in this room gets up and looks in the mirror and goes, today, I am gonna be the one person who makes the worst decisions possible. Because if there's anything I want more is to be exhausted and burned out and not live in the joyful and peaceful life God has for me, I'm talking to you. It's like a pep talk for, for yourself. Nobody does that. But what we do is we make these decisions that get us there. So how do we get here? What actually contributes to feeling exhausted? What actually contributes to feeling burned out? Let me give you some things, not exhaustive list. Trauma, we just talked about increased workload and stress, isolation and loneliness, grief and loss, financial strain, we saw that a lot, uncertainty and fear, we saw that, high expectations from other people, a lack of boundaries, change, maybe you're you know, about to go into high school, going into college, going into a master's program, getting your first job. We saw internship and job up there. That can, that can contribute. Decisions, home life, distancing ourselves from God, not being in healthy friendships or not being in a healthy love relationship. These are the, the contexts or the environments that can contribute to exhaustion and burnout. But what are personal decisions that I make or personal steps that I take that actually propel me down this pathway? Let me give you some. Insecurity, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of irrelevance, addicted to motion. If you're not moving and you're not producing, then you're not good. Procrastination, pride, lonely, uh, laziness, the need for achievement, and on and on we could go. These are like decisions that I make these are steps that I take that could propel me down this pathway. So you say, Jason, well, at the end of the pathway, what's the impact? If I'm doing these things, like what's the impact? Well, you could end up severely discouraged, severely depleted, which can often lead to significant destruction. You can lack energy. You can no longer care for the people that you used to. You're like, man, I used to like them and I don't like them. In fact, I don't even like people anymore. I can't get in my garage fast enough and that door down to get in the door and whoo, thank God I didn't have to see anybody. Maybe you don't care about the things that you used to care about. 
Maybe at work you used to be more creative, but brain fog has set in, and you're just, or maybe at school, in college, in a, in, in a class, or in high school, or in a, uh, middle school, I used to be, but I got this brain fog. It's, I don't know what's happening. Maybe you're more irritable with your family. That would not happen to anybody in here. Sometimes I find myself there. Unwilling to try new things, fear. Unwilling to reach out to people, fear. And slacking on my time with God. God's an afterthought. And so when I think about all of these, I go, I'll go back to the question, like, God's got this life that he's inviting me to experience. But sometimes we just need a little help to figure out where we are. So is there a tool for that? I got you. There's a QR code. You're like, you are working me out. Some of you have never scanned more QR codes in your life. But there's a QR code that's going to pop up here. There it is. We're not going to do this right now, but it's an assessment of 35 questions. Take you about five minutes. And at the end of the assessment, what's going to happen is it's going to give you one thing at the end of the assessment. And that one thing is probably what is exhausting you or leading you to burn out the fastest. And it's going to encourage you to just worry about one thing, right? Some of us want, well, give me the whole list, but you're not going to do it anyways. One thing, right? It's about all I can manage. Give me one step that I can take. This is actually, uh, if you're interested in reading the book when it comes out, it can, each chapter can help you take the appropriate steps. But this may just distill down, man, that is exhausting me. Right? So it's 35 questions. Take you about five minutes. Don't, don't feel burdened to take it. Some of you have already started, so you're not listening anyways. <laughs> I know. It's how it goes. <laughs> totally fine. At least you're here, right? So feel free to take it. So the question is, you know, figuring out where we are, right? So how might you live the life that God is inviting you to experience? As I thought about this, I thought about one thing that we can do. So as we, today we're talking about what does it look to, like to burn bright with yourself? Next week we'll talk about what does it look like to burn bright with other people? And the third week we'll talk about what does it look like to burn bright in partnership with God? So as we think about yourself, there's a character in the Bible that immediately came to mind, and his name is Joseph. Because Joseph models for you and me the one thing Again, there's others, but for us, one thing that we can do to help us prevent exhaustion and burnout and to head towards joy and peace, and it's this. See your past differently. See your past differently. Why? Because past hurts, if we allow them, can have a tendency to pollute our lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. So for some of you sitting in here today, you're 15, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I don't know if anybody's 90. Raise your hand. No, just kidding. Don't do that. But we're all different ages, right? And at some point, we've experienced a past hurt. And the temptation is to take that past hurt. We think that, oh, we left that behind. But what we don't realize is it still shows up and it's in the game, right? You thought, well, I, I'm, I'm over that. If you didn't deal with it, you're not over that right? And so I want us to begin the journey of what this looks like to see our past differently, to not allow the past to pollute today. And Joseph is a great character of that. In Genesis chapters 37 through 50, we go through the life of Joseph. Here's what's interesting, fun fact. I think this is right. Joseph is covered in 13 chapters. Abraham, he only gets nine. Abraham gets about nine chapters 
Joseph gets 13. So we're going to read all 13 chapters today. Just kidding. Some of you just checked out and said, I'm going to do that assessment right now. But in Genesis chapter 13, uh, Genesis chapters 37 through 50, you go through 13 chapters. It actually spans 13 years of Joseph's life. And so I want to give you the highlights of what happened in his life and why it matters for you and me. This is what happened. Joseph is loved by his father, Jacob, but he's hated by his brothers. Joseph has dreams about his future. Joseph goes to his brothers at the direction of his father. They create a plan to kill him, but change their mind and sell him instead. The brothers then lied to their father, Jacob, about what happened to Joseph. Imagine that Jacob thought this happened when it was really something else. Joseph is sold again, so he's now sold twice. He's now sold again. He's now sold to Potiphar. Joseph then makes a wise decision, but Potiphar's wife lied about him, which ended up getting Joseph thrown into prison for years. While in prison, Joseph, Joseph interpreted the dreams of two former leaders in the house of Potiphar one of which was the cupbearer. And the cupbearer said, when I get out of here, I will remember you to help get you out. But guess what the cupbearer did? Forgot and didn't do that. Joseph was then called on when Pharaoh started having dreams because he was able to help the other two individuals. And because of that, Joseph was promoted to second in command. Joseph was then given the task of being responsible for the coming famine. And Joseph managed that whole process wonderfully, how he stored supplies, how he created a bartering system. There's a lot of details in the book of Genesis about that. And then there's a lot of details around how Joseph crafted a strategic way to interact with his brothers when they came from Canaan because the famine was starting to hit them and they needed food. Joseph was eventually reconciled with his brothers. I mean, imagine this, the very people that hurt you and sold you into slavery, he saved. Joseph's family moved to Egypt, and it was then that Joseph and Potiphar said, we will take care of you and all of your children. So for 13 years, this is what Joseph experienced. That's a long 13 years. When I have one situation that is off kilter, I, I, I don't like it. And when I look at the life of Joseph, I'm like, there's a lot. But what I want to camp out on is in chapter 50. So Genesis chapters 37 through 50, in chapter 50, towards the very end, right before the section on the death of Joseph. You're familiar with this verse probably. Verse 20, as for you, as for you, you meant evil. So this is Joseph speaking. You meant evil against me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now, right now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph is saying the decision that y'all made years and years and years ago, you meant evil. You meant to harm me. But actually, God was part of the whole process to get us to where we are today. 
What's amazing is, have you ever heard somebody share their story and it's got elements in it and they get to the very end, they're on a stage and have you ever said this to yourself? Well, it turned out good for you, but you don't know where I am. I mean, look at Joseph, turned out good for him, second in command, saved his family, turned out good for him. What about me? But if you were to read Genesis chapters 37 through 50, what you will find is Joseph already had this posture about himself and his belief about God all the way through. So it didn't just happen at the very end that he said, God is so good. When you look at his life and back it up, he actually felt this through chapters 37 through 50. I mean, Joseph experienced deep rejection. Joseph experienced brutal pain. Joseph experienced abandonment. And he didn't realize that there was lying on the other end. He didn't realize that there were all of this other stuff. I mean, can you imagine, humanly speaking, he had every right to feel hurt. He had every right to feel hatred. Every right, humanly speaking. And some of you, you have a past hurt, and you still allow that hurt to create hate towards people around you that had nothing to do with your hurt. But you still hate. And you feel stuck. And it's exhausting. But it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, look at the life of Joseph. We're, we're talking about his family. If you were to look up attachment theory, if you were to look up attachment pain as it relates to relationships, this is a different kind of pain. I mean, think about this. This is, it's family pain. There, there's, a, there's a relationship pain and that hurts worse. The people that should care about you, the people that should protect you, the people that should love you, are the people that are wounding you the deepest. That's close to home. That hurts. That leaves a different mark. But what if it could be different? The reason it hurts deeply is because God created us for relationships. And when there's a rejection around a relationship, that's why it hurts deeper. Because it's literally interacting with the wiring of how I was created by the architect of life. It disrupts that. And it's painful. This happens with friends. Maybe you're in high school. You're in college. And this has happened for you. You thought you had a friend. Maybe you've shared years of friendships. Maybe you shared deep secrets. And there was a betrayal. And it absolutely broke your heart. And it's hard to recover. So, humanly speaking, Joseph had every right to respond and retaliate. I, I have a question for you, not to respond to, but just to think about. What happens, the pain in your life that you've experienced, nobody has ever seen? In other words, you don't feel seen. You're here this morning, you say, man, if people only knew, if I got up on that stage and I put the pain in my life on that screen, it would floor people. And I don't ever feel like anybody's seen me. What do I do? Let me just give you some, some thoughts. We're not going to solve it here, but let me just give you some thoughts. The first one is not going to make you feel any better. I'm going to be honest. It's a process that you have to go through. 
A lot of times we try to skip the process because the process is hard, but it's the process that gives us the result. And so we've got to go through the process. It took Joseph years to kind of work through. Could you imagine sitting in prison and thinking? Could you imagine being betrayed? Could you imagine being lied to? Could you imagine being sold twice? Like you can imagine humanly speaking what one might feel and think. But it's a process for Joseph. It was a 13-year journey. Secondly, invite a trusted person to walk alongside you. Could be a trusted friend, could be a therapist, a counselor. But the burden on you to figure it out and to walk alone, you don't have to do that. You can walk with someone. Third, believe and say to yourself, God, you are still good. You say, well, I don't feel that way. Well, I remember a period in my life, months, this is months, I was navigating a situation that literally felt overwhelming, that the burden, if I were to answer, you know, what burdens or overwhelms you, this is what I would have put up there. I was in that particular season, and I remember time and time again walking around and saying, God, I don't feel it, but you're still good. I was on my knees praying, God, I don't feel it, but you're still good. I was laying down crying, God, I don't feel it, but you're still good. The way I feel doesn't change if he's good or not. He is still good. It's me that's trying to get my feelings, which is amazing because that's a constant. He's a constant. Me, I'm all over the place. I'm like a hot mess. God, he's constant. So this morning you say, well, I don't feel that. Well, welcome to humanity. But it doesn't mean you can't still say, God, you're good. You say, well, isn't that lying? I'm kind of saying out loud. No, actually you're saying in faith, God, I know you're still good. I'm just, I'm, my, the feeling part is just not there yet. But, I, but you're still good. You're still good. You're still good. Because the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy is not interested in you saying, God, you're still good. He wants you to say, see, God abandoned you. You're all alone. That pain, he did that. He let that happen to you. That's why you don't need to associate with him. Doubt him. And I'm like, no, I'm showing up. He's still good. What else can you do? God is the God of all comfort, so invite him into your situation. Invite him into your situation. How many of you think you're amazing? Don't raise your hand. A lot of times we wouldn't say this. We wouldn't put it on a billboard, but we think we're pretty good. We're amazing. We're remarkable. But the truth is, we're not that good. I'm not good enough to navigate a situation by myself. I need him. I need him. In fact, here's sometimes what I can be guilty of. In a situation I'm trying to figure out myself, I can isolate him to try to figure it out alone. You know what happens when I isolate him? In turn, I isolate me. And when I isolate me because I've isolated him, now I'm saying I'm good enough to figure this out by myself. And the fact is I'm not because I might've gotten myself there. So God, I don't know what this looks like, but I wanna invite you into this situation because I don't know what to do. I know how I feel. I don't know the right decision to make. I don't know who to talk to, but I'm just asking God, I, you're good and I'm inviting you in. God, you're good and I'm inviting you in. God, you're good and I'm inviting you in. Joseph is a prime example that nothing happens great through you until it happens in you. We are interested in the through part, not the end part. 
The through is like, I want God to use me. How many of you would like God to use you to do something meaningful in your life? How many of you? Okay, cool, 10 of you. We all on some level want to do something meaningful and purposeful with our lives. So we're interested. God worked through me to do something really great. And God says, okay, but I'm going to need to do some work in you. Well, what is that like? Whoa, it's happened. I'm not, I did not sign up for this. How many of you have ever said, God, if you'll show me the process that I'm about to go through to do this thing, it, it's better. So show me all of the steps. Show me the things. Anybody ever felt like that way about God? Anybody? Okay, three. This will be a great illustration. Imagine, sometimes I pray this, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to do that? Cool. Can you show me all of the steps? The prayer and the want that we often want, it, we don't actually really want. Example. Could you imagine, Joseph? What do you want, God? You want to place me at a certain time, certain moment, so I can, in essence, save all of these lives, millions of people? You want, okay, great, great. What does that look like? Well, Joseph, I'm glad you asked. Uh, your brothers, they really want to kill you, but they're going to settle for uh, lesser of the evils, and they're going to sell you into slavery. Uh, they're not going to want you, so they're going to sell you again to Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife is going to lie about you because you made the right decision, but she's going to lie about you. And it's going to end you. Uh, you're going to end up in prison for a couple years. You're going to meet two people, nice people. Uh, one's going to make a promise to you because you help them. Uh, when they get out, they're going to help you get out, but they forget about you. So you're going to be there a little bit longer. Uh, you're then going to be asked to interpret some dreams. And because of that, you're going to get a second in command, which you've really never been in leadership before because that could feel really overwhelming. You're going to be responsible for preparing everybody for the coming famine, and your brothers are going to show up, but they're not going to recognize you. You're going to reconcile with them, even though they hurt you, they wanted to kill you, but they decided to sell you. So that's what's going to happen. So are you in? I think I'm going to take a hard pass. I mean, I want the result. I want the through. God worked through me. But I am not interested in you working in me because that is painful. But the very pain that you have inside of you today is the very pain that he wants you to work in and him to work through. So guess what? The storm that you're learning through and the storm you're walking through may be the very thing that somebody else walking through a storm needs from you. But we cannot bypass the in and get to the through. So what do we do? There's a great song. We don't have time to go through the whole song, but it's called uh, Fear is Not My Future. But And part of it, it talks about let him turn it in your favor. Watch him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. So for you today, why not? Why not? Why couldn't peace and joy and strength it be yours if if jesus is the one who said he has he came that gives you the fullest life why not you say well what do i do i mean how might i live the life god invites me to experience let me give you some some thoughts and we'll head towards the finish line one evaluate where you are it's like going to the mall very few people go to the mall anymore I haven't been to the mall in a long time, right? But you go to that kiosk, I'm trying to get there, but I'm looking at the map, where am I? Oh, I'm here. I need to know where I'm at to help me get to where I'm going. 
And it's the same thing today. I need to know where am I? Am I discouraged? Am I lacking energy? Am I more cynical? Right? Am I tearing other people down to build me up? Like, what, what's going on in my life? You say, well, I, I don't know. Here's a great way to figure it out. And with a trusted friend or somebody in your family, ask them this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? And be prepared. Don't ask if you don't want them to answer. So evaluate where you are. Two, admit and accept where you are, right? Sometimes that's hard. I don't, I don't want to admit where I'm at. I mean, literally verbalize it and then accept it. You say, what does that accomplish? Because it settles the fact that I know where I'm at. I know what's going on. I know I need change because here's the reality. My friend says this, change doesn't happen until you know enough, know enough that you can, care enough that you want to, or hurt enough that you have to. And unfortunately, we get to the hurt part, and it's not, it's not necessary. We can actually know enough that we can and care enough that you want to. So admit and accept where you are. Change is coming. Keep believing and repeating that God is good. I mentioned that earlier. Give yourself permission to move forward toward being a healthy person. The life that God wants you to live, give yourself permission. I mean, after all, Jesus is the one. This is the life I'm offering to you. Why are you stuck in like all of that? It's completely unnecessary. The reason Joseph was able to see his past differently is because he chose to look through a different set of lenses. His filter was different. His filter wasn't through retaliation, revenge, hurt. It was through God, help me to see that situation through your eyes. That's the only reason Joseph could see his brothers in that way. But too many times, you've heard this before, hurt people hurt people. But hopeful people give hope to other people. So there is an alternative to hurt. It's hope. So give yourself permission. Five, we don't have time to go through all these, but create a circle of trusted people uh, that can help you move forward. I have 11 types of people in my life that come in and out different seasons. I don't know how to get that list to you, but I, I'm just teasing it out. It's actually in the book. <laughs> so um, I just thought about that. So talking about these 11 types of people you can have in your life, right? And they're very helpful for me, and I've been using them for, for types of people for a long time. Six, get free from the symptoms that woo you into exhaustion and burnout. They woo you. They seduce you into exhaustion and burnout, like the constant need for approval, the need for control, ego, pride, lack of values, addictions, vices, difficult relationships, the need to constantly be moving, the need to keep moving because you're staying distracted from facing what needs to be faced, wounds that haven't healed, spiritual shallowness. There's things that woo us into these places, and again, it's a drift until we find ourselves there, and we're like, how did I get here? You don't have to stay there. And the final step is draw a mental line in the sand. Say, you know what? This is absolutely unnecessary. Yes, I've got past hurts, but I don't have to let past hurts pollute today's life. Because Jesus says, I've come, me, I've come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. So if you feel like your life, there are things that are being stolen from you, or you feel like your life is being destroyed, or if you feel like, man, there's an all-out attack to just ruin me, that doesn't come from Jesus. That comes from the devil. And he would love no more than for you to believe 
the lies when the truth is the very thing that will set you free. So give yourself permission. Draw a mental line in the sand from this point forward. I'm going to move towards burning bright in a healthy way because peace is mine, joy is mine, a meaningful life is mine, an abundant life is mine, a thriving life is mine. Why? Because Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and to have it to the fullest. So your past hurts? What are they doing to your life right now? Causing chaos, internal turmoil, that trauma maybe nobody knows about? What if you could see it differently? Doesn't mean you deny that it exists. You just see it differently. And you realize, you know what? There is still hope because the life that Jesus offers is a life in, in spite of hurts and chaos. Joseph is a great example. Humanly speaking, he experienced rejection, abandonment, pain, trauma. But he chose to look at his situation, his past, differently. And when he did that is really when God began to work through him because he gave God permission to work in him. So refuse to be shackled and arrested by those pasts, those hurts, those situations, those people that you can literally imagine in your mind and reimagine what it might look for you to live the life that God invites you to experience. Let's pray. Thinking about you this morning, thinking about my own life this morning, some of you have a, a hurt that has devastated you. Maybe trauma that has just wrecked you. It's exhausting. Maybe there's something at work that's happening. Maybe there's a relationship that fell apart. I don't know what it might be. But isn't it time to lean into the life that God has for you? Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our hope, who has a life full of meaning and purpose. Help us to trust that. We all have hurts. We all have a past. But help us to see it differently. Help us to see it through your eyes. Help us to not allow past hurts to pollute our lives today. Help us to draw a line in the sand saying, I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of having said person or said situation dominate me because it's robbing me. It's stealing from me the life that God has for me, and I'm tired of it. Help us to feel permission, support, your kindness and grace today to live the life that you created us to live because you are the architect of it and help us to trust it. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.